just a few thoughts this morning. I'm going to try and keep it quick. I've got our boy, we've got our boys and girls in beside us. There is a crash for under threes uh, if they're struggling a wee bit. Uh, so that's there. Um, the, uh, the crash is manned, so um, you can leave your kids up in there. And, and today, as I was thinking about what to share, I just thought we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about wisdom. Wisdom is one of these things that we all want, we all aspire to. Uh, some of us have more than others. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever heard that saying, common sense, right? <laughs> common sense and wisdom are linked. And I've got another saying that is, common sense isn't so common, okay? <laughs> Don't you find that, that things which we all kind of thought, yeah, we understand how this works, we understand about life, common sense just isn't quite so common as it used to be. And uh, so I'm going to think a little bit about wisdom this morning. And I don't know about you, but there are certain people that, you know, in, in Hollywood certainly, you, you, you kind of see in movies and you think, I really wish I was like that person, okay? People who we look up to and we think they're really, really wise, uh, really kind of, well, I'll put some pictures up on the screen. So watch up here uh, and, and we'll have a look for, for some uh, pictures here. Does anybody know who this is? It is from Lord of the Rings. It is Kate Blanchett. She's the actress. It's Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. Uh, very, very wise, very knowledgeable, very powerful. And uh, also in that film, uh, this character here is called Gandalf. Uh, very wise, very knowledgeable. Okay. Uh, we've got a few others um, from The Intern. Has anybody ever seen that film? Uh, this is Ben, who, who is uh, a retired uh, sales director type guy. And he starts to work in this company and he brings all his years of wisdom and experience into the company. How about this one? Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. I'm going to get any trouble for doing accents. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Okay. People impersonate my Scottish accent all the time, so uh, I think I'm okay. Who remembers the Karate Kid films? Uh, the wee guy doing his, his kind of whatever it was, uh, learning from the master, the wise one, Mr. Miyagi, uh, who taught him how to, to, to fight and how to, to do the karate. Here's another one from The Matrix. This is Morpheus from The Matrix, very wise, knowledgeable, has wisdom, revelation. He knows all the things that are going to happen in the future. Well, kind of, sort of. Uh, I liked The Matrix when it came out. Uh, this one, this is Newt Scamander from Fantastic Beasts. It's a, sort of a different generation. This is for the younger generation. Uh, they'll get that. All very kind of wise and knowledgeable. And then lastly, Mary Poppins or Mary Poppins. Yeah? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a we're gonna take a poll. Who all prefers the, the old Mary Poppins? Who all prefers the new Mary Poppins? Okay. I think the old one wins, but I quite like the new one. Um, all of these people who we kind of think of as really, really wise and knowledgeable, and uh, here are some of the qualities that we kind of look for in the people who are our heroes, things like peace, uh, self-control, knowledge, compassion, leadership, you know, people who just seem to have it all together. And we look up to these types of people all the time. Hollywood is full of them, but actually, real life is full of people who possess these qualities. They're never 
uh, they're not always famous people, uh, they're not always well known, uh, but, but nonetheless, people who possess these qualities. And let me say that these qualities can be found in us as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to produce fruit within us. You know, Robert mentioned that this morning about the bees and how they pollinate uh, flowers and it creates fruit on the trees. Well, in the same way, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, He creates this fruit within us. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Incredible fruit that can be produced in our lives as the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us. Yeah? If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we start to produce other kinds of fruit that the Bible talks about, not good fruit. And then Peter, the apostle, he goes on to say this in his book. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. Again, that, that quality that we look for in those who we look up to. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, that it goes on to say, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, to add all of these things. Do you know perseverance is a rare commodity these days? People don't persevere. We need sometimes to push through in the difficulties so that we persevere and come out the other side and we find out just exactly what we're made of. Brotherly kindness, it sounds really simple, but it's hard to put into practice sometimes. But these are the things that we need to keep adding to our faith. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to get to know him better in order that we can become like him and that we can serve. You know, in order to possess these qualities, we may need to just get rid of some things in our own lives. Just this last week, I did something that I've never done before ever, I don't think. Unaccustomed as I am to clearing out my wardrobe. I thought, my wardrobe's an absolute disaster area. You'd think somebody had went in there, let off a bomb, and then walked away and shut the door, okay? Stuff everywhere, couldn't find things. I was like, where's my such and such? I can't find it. So in I go, and everything came out the wardrobe other than the stuff which was hanging. That just kind of stayed. And as I began to take stuff out the wardrobe and look at it, I thought, that's needing to go in the bin. I've had that for 20 years. <laughs> and it's got holes in it. And it needs to go in the bin. That's where it went. That's exactly where it went. It went to cash for clothes. And there was other stuff which was still semi-decent, which went uh, to the, the charity shop. And it can be say, uh, sold on. It wasn't rubbish. Uh, it was good stuff. Uh, and I just thought, I do not wear this. I do not use this. I still have to say, I do have something in my wardrobe that I've had since I was 18. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's a special suit that they wear in the army and they have a, a kind of gas mask thing in the front. It's for bio, uh, biological warfare. I've still got this thing, okay? Just in case. Just in case, okay? And I, do you know, it really, I get chuffed when I can still fit into stuff that I wore when I was 18. 
but it was that size when I was 18, okay? Um, why am I telling you this? Because just like my wardrobe, our lives get filled up with stuff that just clutters, takes up room. Some of it's just rubbish and it needs to go straight in the bin. Some things are things that are good, but maybe we need to just pass on those things to other people because they're taking up room in who we are and our thinking and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we need to take the time to have the clear out. I put this picture up to think about another hero, okay, or heroine, Gillian. You're trying to hide behind Stuart there, okay? <laughs> yeah? Just to put some hands and feet on this, to put a person to this, people who are real-life heroes. And Gillian, I take my hat off to you because you persevere and you set a good example for others and you're still hiding behind Stuart. I can't see you. <laughs> Okay, Stuart, you just need to move a wee bit to this side. I'm only kidding. Don't move, Stuart. You're okay. Because Gillian will move at the same time and I'll have the same problem. And I just felt, Gillian, as, as, uh, as I was preparing for today, I was going to read out Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10. And this is what it says. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. God has tested you. And Jillian, you've come out the other side. Right? God continues to test you. And Peter reiterates these words. He says, These have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Jillian, your faith, which is of greater value than gold, refined and tested and proved that gives glory and praise to God. A real life hero, a real person, a real person that we know. Other people in this fellowship, real people that we know who possess these qualities, who are for us heroes and heroines. People who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. People who give themselves to God every single day and show us how we should live as Christians. Wisdom and where to find it. Where do we find wisdom? I start in the book of Proverbs, okay? What better place to start to look for wisdom? Let me put up a verse from Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And it's King Solomon who wrote the Proverbs. And he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that word means discernment, understanding, or wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Have you ever tried to correct somebody who's foolish? You ever tried to do that? I've tried to do that in the past. And what happens is it just backfires on you. You're thinking, I wish I had just said nothing. However, correct a wise man and he will be so pleased. Wise people want to learn. And true wisdom starts with the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. And when we have a healthy fear of God, it puts so many things into perspective in our lives. And many choose not to acknowledge God and go their own way. All we need to do is turn on the news to see how that affects each of us, how it affects society, how it affects families, how it affects individuals. And, uh, you know, just the chaos that's in our world as we 
come away from fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? God is the creator of the universe. We are just tiny little specks on the earth. You know, we've celebrated recently the the 50th anniversary of people landing on the moon, and they were able to look back on planet earth and see this dot, this blue dot with clouds and a bit of green and all that kind of stuff. And people were just blown away. And if, if you stop to think about how small we actually are and how insignificant we actually are, and yet God chose to come and have a relationship with us. This is the God who created us. And sometimes we forget just how all-powerful God is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is something that brings us to the cross. It's something that brings us to this realization that Jesus is who he said he is. God's plan for people is not the mess that we see our world in today. God's plan is for life and for peace and for harmony and for wholeness and relationship. Excuse me. I got myself a glass of water, but I don't know where it went. I guess I didn't bring it through. Maybe you can grab me a glass of water, Martin, because I was already dry before I started today. What does John chapter 3 verse 16 say? It says that God loved the world so much. God loved his creation. God had a plan for it. He created it perfect. And what came along? but sin. And sin came and messed up God's world. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that says, we've all sinned. We've all sinned. Nobody is perfect. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. As Martin brings my water, thank you very much. I noticed that some people really enjoyed saying that. Some people sitting in the second row really enjoyed saying that, Mr. Evans. Uh, i get you mixed up with somebody else there, Caleb. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us, and each of us needs to find a place where that can be forgiven. What does the Bible say in Romans 6.23? That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. There is a way that God made for us to deal with all of this sin that we might avoid what John talks about in 3.16. What does it say? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, King James, should not perish but have everlasting life. I learned it when I was that size. Not perish. The problem is our world is perishing and it will come to an end and it will come to a time where God takes all of the sin in our world and where he judges it and where he sorts it out. And there will be justice for those who've been deprived justice. And there will be punishment for those who have not dealt with their sin. You see, we try to find our way back to God through being good. The world is full of people who are great people, good people. But being good does not connect us with God. People who are religious and very devout in the religion, but not necessarily connected to God. Religion doesn't take us to God. People who try all sorts of things, going to church, being a good person, being a moral person, these things are good in themselves, but they do not lead us to Christ. They do not lead us to God. The only way 
is through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. What does John chapter 14 verse 6 say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what makes Christianity so exclusive. I am the way. Nobody can come to the Father except through me, Jesus is saying. Jesus says to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking. He's knocking on some hearts today. If he was knocking on some heads, there'd be a hollow sound. <laughs> Particularly mine. He's knocking. He's knocking on the door of our hearts. And he says, I want to come in and I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And it's Jesus that makes that relationship possible. What does the Bible say in Romans 10, 9? If we confess our sins, no, no, I'm getting mixed up. That's a different one. What does it say? What's Romans 10 and 9? Somebody quote it for me. Thank you, Ian. That's the one. That's the one I was after. We need to confess. We need to believe in our hearts. And when we confess and believe in our hearts, then God comes in. That's how it's made possible. God has a plan for our lives, but we need to step into that plan. I don't know if everybody's came to that place. Have you come to that place where you've accepted the only way, which is Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, and he has made that way possible for us to have that relationship with the Father, not through religion, not through good works, not through morality, but by accepting Jesus for who he is, the sacrifice that he made in the cross for us. That's who he is, that's what he's done for us, and that is the way to find eternal life, a life that starts now in the body that we live in, but goes on into eternity, goes on beyond what we can ever begin to imagine. See, Solomon recognized the need to have this fear of the Lord, and this is what he said. Give your servant, this is Solomon, who's just about to be king, he's just about to start serving, and he says this, give your servant a discerning heart, give him wisdom, to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon asked for wisdom. And I remember as a young person, this was a young person who's saying, I'm inexperienced, I don't know how to lead these people, you need to come and show me how to do it. Does that sound familiar? And I remember as a young person, probably 18 or 19, and coming back from somewhere and driving down this stretch of road, which you can see here, it's actually the M73. I've come off the M8 at Bayliston Interchange, round that big bend, up onto the M73, driving down here, and you'll be pleased to know that I wasn't taking this video and driving at the same time, okay? <laughs> and I remember passing the Drummond lorry, Okay, I wasn't passing the Drummond lorry. That was a joke, okay? You're allowed to laugh, okay? <laughs> I remember getting to this point in the road, and I remember praying to God the prayer of Solomon. Give me wisdom. I want to have wisdom. Probably because I was as daft as a brush. Mum, you'll be able to confirm that. <laughs> what do you mean, was? I know what you're thinking. Still as daft as a brush. I know what you're thinking, okay? Has God really answered that prayer? I hope so. <laughs> Asking God for wisdom. 
not because God said to Solomon, because you've asked this, because you want to rule justly, then I'll give you all these other things as well. I remember praying that prayer, not looking for the other stuff. I remember probably in about there saying, I don't want to be rich, I don't want to be poor, I just want to have enough. I'm kind of regretting saying that one, okay? <laughs> I wish I had just said, give me a wee bit more than enough, okay? But there you go. But praying that prayer and asking God to give me wisdom, and I hope that God has answered that prayer. I hope that I have wisdom to lead and to do the things that he's called me to do. But it reminded me of a time where I was at a youth meeting. Mary was there as well. It was down in King's Church in Motherwell. And there was a guy called David Ramage. He was speaking and sharing. And he began to prophesy over people. And there's a big line of us all kind of getting prophesied over. Prophecy is just when God says something through somebody else specific for us. And uh, when, when, he, when he came to, to me, uh, he, he prophesied that God would give me wisdom and distinguishing between spirits and these types of things. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because that's what I was praying about. That's what I was praying for. When God prophesies, when God speaks into your life through somebody else, you need to be hearing the voice of God. You need to go, that resonates, that sounds familiar. If you don't, you say, okay, thank you very much. We'll take that and we'll Park that there and we'll pray about it, just as a word of, of advice. Prophesied that God would give me wisdom. Do you know what, what, did, what did he prophesy over you? He walked down the line and passed Mary and ended up coming back to Mary because she's a bit of a tough case, you see. <laughs> just for those who don't know, Mary's my wife. She's sitting here, gives a wave, right? We've been married over 28 years now. And what did God say? You're going to love Love the unlovable. That's why she married me. Okay. <laughs> what an incredible gift. 28 years later, there's the proof. You see, God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he'll do. Isn't that incredible? Praying for wisdom, that God would give me wisdom, that Mary would have the strength to do the things that he's called her to do. God wants to speak into our lives and God wants to encourage us. And when we converse together as church, it doesn't all need to come from here, from the front. It doesn't need to come from a leader. We can be listening to hear what God wants to say to each other. When we're reading our Bibles and we get a verse and we go, wow, God's, God's saying something. And actually, as I'm praying about it, I think he's saying it to such and such. And I need to share that verse with them. God gives us the ability to speak into others' lives to encourage, to impart wisdom, and to give guidance, and to even correct sometimes, and get us back on the right track, asking for wisdom. You know, we have people in our lives who are older than us. This is a father-son type of picture, uh, where, we, uh, where we want to just lean in and, and, and glean and learn wisdom from other people. Uh, and can I just say that getting old doesn't necessarily make you wise, Okay. Age and wisdom are two different things, okay? Some people are laughing with a knowing laugh. You know what I'm talking about. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about some of the, maybe the older people in the church. And, uh, you know, some of the hymns that you might like. We've been jumping about this morning singing newer songs. But there are hymns that the older people like as well. People that we want to lean in and listen to. Things like, uh, Precious Lord, Take My Hand and Help Me Up. Okay, just a slower walk with thee. Go tell it on the mountain, but speak up. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, because I've forgotten my car. Count your many birthdays, count them one by one. 
Yeah? I love this one. Blessed insurance. <laughs> uh, last one, it is well with my soul, but my knees hurt. Uh, I love these hymns. And I love listening to older people, people who are further down the road than me, people who have wisdom, people who have understanding, people who have experienced life, and just kind of leaning in and listening to what they have to say. And this is what Solomon is doing with his son. He's saying, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. You see, mistakes are painful, but when they happen, uh, they're, they're painful when they happen, but years later, a collection of mistakes called experience leads us to success. A collection of mistakes called experience leads us to success. We're too quick when people make mistakes to go, look what you did. And we sometimes forget that there's another three fingers pointing back at us. And you go, oh, look what I did. <laughs> that wasn't good. And I think, though, as a society, though, we, we do seem to be living more recklessly. We're not listening to the wisdom of those who've went before us. We're principles that we held on to, principles that were handed down from generation to generation. And there's a generation rising that's not wanting to listen to the wisdom of the generation before. And young people, we need to be challenged by that. We need to lean into the wisdom of the generation before. Not because the generation before got everything right, certainly not. Back to Romans 23, Romans 3.23. All have sinned, we've all made mistakes, we all get it wrong. We all mess up sometimes. But as a, a general kind of feeling today is that there's a tendency to forget the wisdom from the past. Solomon is encouraging his son here, remember, don't forget. Listen, keep my commands because they'll bring life to you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor with God, uh, with favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Interest in terms, love and faithfulness. Things which we value, things which we look at in others and we think, I really like that. And yet in our public life today even, we see people who have lost love and faithfulness as qualities. People who get caught up and doing their own thing, self-interest. And Solomon is saying, I want you to actually have these things so close that you never forget them, love and faithfulness. One of the issues that we have with this word love is that it has so many meanings today. There's a guy I went to college with, uh, I'll, he, he shall remain nameless, okay? And uh, he was talking about that it was this time where he'd got a new girlfriend, and rather than saying, I'm in love, he said, I'm in lust. That's what he said. I was like, okay, that's just kind of shooting through the hip. That's saying it as it is. In one sense, I appreciated his honesty because he recognized things for what they were. But we've kind of replaced, or we're in danger of replacing love for things which are unwholesome. The Bible says that God is love. God is love, the very essence of God. And that really struck me. never forgot that. And we learn about Jesus, what does it say in the New Testament? That he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with other people. Jesus grew this way. And this is what Solomon's trying to get through 
to his son. And this is what Solomon's trying to get through to us. I want you to be wise in the way that you live. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Let them be like a necklace around your neck. Let them be written into the very core of your being who you are. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. And this verse, this verse here has been like a mantra for me for many, many years since I was young. And it has stood as a guide in every situation, whether big, sometimes small decisions, anything that we needed to make a decision on. And it says, trust God with all your heart. Don't lean or don't rely on as a support. I did have a walking pole with me. I forgot to bring it up on the platform. A walking pole is something that you use for support when those knees go, right? Getting back to the knees. And we, we use it for support. And, and we can lean on our own understanding in the same way to give us wisdom and knowledge and guidance. But the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't use that as your support, but trust in God. Acknowledge the decision that you need to make. Who we marry, where we stay, whether we rent or whether we buy, what kind of job we have, who we work with, how we deal with money, how we give money away, how we relate to others, how we deal with people that we don't like. Don't lean on your own understanding but draw God into every decision that you need to make. And I've tried to live my life this way with absolutely everything. Even when I went to work in Mitsubishi, I thought, this is the way I was praying. This is the job that God has for me. And when times were difficult in Mitsubishi and they were really tough at points in time, I prayed to God and said, you brought me here. If you want me to stay here, then something needs to happen in my situation. And God did change that situation. Story for another time. Most of the time, I've tried to live that way by bringing God into every decision. And twice in the Proverbs, Solomon says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Proverbs 14 and 12 and 16 and 25, he repeats it. There's a way which seems right to us, but it doesn't bring us to a good end. In the New Testament, it says that that way is a broad way. And lots of people are walking on it, but it ends in destruction. It has a bad end. God's way is sometimes a narrow way, but we need to walk in that. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Again, we need to have wisdom from God. Our natural inclination is to do our own thing and to go our own way. You could call it the Sinatra Syndrome. I'm going to coin that phrase. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to try and do a Frank Sinatra impersonation. But he did say, I'll do it my way, didn't he? He sung that song. And for many, that has become a mantra. It's become a mantra. I'll do it my way. Well, I don't want to do things my way. I want to do things God's way. Because when I do things my way, they usually end up working out pretty bad. But when I do things God's way, they usually end up working out pretty good. Life has shown me that. I've got enough of life to look back on now <laughs> and to know that that's true, right? Hopefully I've got the same amount of drum. I don't want to be stuck with it. But I don't want to be stuck with the Sinatra syndrome. I don't want to be stuck with it. I did it my way. I want, to, 
I want God to, to really move in me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowing God's ways and what he wants us to walk in. And we need to run away from evil. We need to shun evil. When temptation comes and we read about it in the Proverbs, I advise all the guys in the church to read Proverbs. Okay? Every guy in the church, read Proverbs. Because there's advice. There's advice for us in that. Every girl as well, there's advice in it. There's advice in it to run from temptation. Run at a million miles an hour if you can. Run from temptation. Because temptation will trip us up and will take away our life and will take away our health. It can mess up so many things. Sin can be attractive at times, but sin leads to so many unhelpful things in our lives. We need to come before God and get before him. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, and this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Lastly, in this little chapter in Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The last one of three primary areas that we can be tempted in, money, sex, and power. God says, honor me with your finances and he will bring success. Let's endeavor to live a life of wisdom. Let's endeavor to live God's way. Let's endeavor not to live uh, for ourselves or as a law unto ourselves. Let's endeavor to live for God and to live to serve him. As we draw our time to a close, I wonder, have you come to the cross? Have you come to the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Have you come to that place? A very, very vivid memory as a child with my dad reading his Pilgrim's Progress. And it's a picture of Christian. Nothing worked. Burden of sin. He's been trying his hardest to get rid of it. Nothing worked until he came to the cross. And it's this picture, I can still remember the, the actual picture in the book in my mind. And as he comes to the cross, the burden falls off and it rolls down a hill into a big pit. The only thing that can take away that burden of sin is Jesus himself, is accepting Jesus, confessing that he is Lord, believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we're saved. Then we're saved not just for today, but for eternity. Powerful, powerful stuff. Have you come to that place of making that decision today? I wonder. Because if you've not, then you can pray a prayer and ask God into your life today. You can pray a prayer and accept Jesus into your life. Accept him through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and we start to, as we are filled with him, as we get rid of our wardrobe rubbish, and filled with him, all the good stuff, then we begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, those qualities that we admire in other people. And God gives us the ability to be that type of person. That's what's incredible, because I know that I can't do that in my own strength, and neither can you. Maybe for some of us, we've been drifting away in our faith. It's easy to happen. You come to church every week, 
We go through the same stuff every week, and it's like, here we go. Lindsay's going to lead the worship. I better stand up, because she'll give me a hard time later if I don't. Um, and, and, and we can go through the motions of church. We can do all the right things. We can say all the right things. But in our hearts, something is happening to the faith that's within us. It's like somebody's pulled the plug inside, and our faith is just disappearing away from us. I wonder if there's anybody in here and you feel that your faith has been ebbing away. It's at an all-time low. God wants to come in today and to fill you. If you've been caught in sin, maybe this is the day that you confess those things to God. And confession is basically just agreeing with God's assessment of things. God says, this is a sin in your life. And you go, no, it's not. And God goes, I is. And you go, no, it's no. And God goes, yes, it is. And you have to go, actually, yeah, you're right. It is. And that's confession. It's agreeing with God's assessment in our lives. But agreeing with God's assessment is one thing, but turning around from that, which is what the Bible calls repentance, turning around from that and going God's way is a different thing. And that's a conscious decision that we need to make. Maybe today, for some of us, we need to come to that place of just confessing before him. Let's bow heads. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray and just draw our time together uh, to a close. Musicians, please come back up uh, as we prepare to, uh, to, to close off the service today. But let's just pray in this moment this morning. Father, we thank you that we can have this wisdom that comes straight from you. Father, we thank you that Jesus has made it possible for us to receive these things from you, for us to be in relationship with you. And Father, we just thank you for your presence in this service today. Lord, we just want to hear uh, what you're saying for us specifically in this moment. And Father, we just pray we've maybe never made that decision to give our lives over to Jesus. And Father, we just pray that today would be that day where we make that decision, where we confess our sins. Because we realize, Father, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to make us clean from all the wrong things that are in our lives. Father, you give us a fresh start. Father, maybe for some, faith has been ebbing, ebbing away. And Father, we just want to be in that right place before you, uh, where we can receive uh, the Holy Spirit this morning and where we, where we can receive uh, that faith back into our hearts that we might be built up and that we, might, that we might be encouraged. And so, Father, we just want to receive from you all that you have for us today. And so, Father, we just pray that you come in this moment. Holy Spirit, that you would come in this moment and that you would move amongst us and that you would touch hearts and lives this morning, that you would open up our eyes and our ears to really begin to understand who you are and what you have for us. I really want every head to be bowed and eye to be closed as we just make this appeal. Maybe there are people today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. You've never made that commitment yet. You've done lots of good things. You've went to church. You've done all these things. But God is saying today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. This is your opportunity to invite Christ into your life. And if that's you this morning, then I just ask that you raise a hand 
I'll see your hand and pray for you. And we've got a booklet which we would like to pass on to you at the end of the service. If that's you today, then raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Maybe some people in here today, you feel that your faith has been ebbing away and you feel that you're just not as alive as you used to be in faith. The things of faith that are kind of leaking out of your life and I just feel that God wants to, to really do something in your life today as you respond to that. And again, I'm going to ask that you pop a hand up and we'll pray for you. If that's you today, we'll pray that God really fills your life have been ebbing away and that he begins to restore the things in you which have been ebbing away. Anyone else want to respond to that this morning? Okay. Father, we just thank you for those who have responded today and Father, we ask that you would fill their hearts Father, that you would come and that you would speak directly into circumstances and situations. Father, where disappointment has crept into, into lives, into hearts, questions that have caused faith to dissipate, questions that we have allowed into our hearts, and we've said, why has this happened? Why, why God, why? And Father, we pray that you come and that you give us that wisdom that comes straight from you. For those situations where we've asked why, Lord, we pray we might not get the answers, but Father, we pray that our response to that would change. And Father, I just pray for those who've responded today, Lord, that you would just come and that you would meet them and that you'd fill them with your spirit. And Father, that you would just descend upon them and empower them and strengthen them. Father, just may they receive all that you have for them in this moment. Father, we pray for each of us, Lord, as we stand here today. Some of us sitting down, some of us standing. Father, we just pray that you would come and that you would fill us with your spirit. Father, you, that you would fill us with wisdom. Father, that you would fill us uh, with revelation. Father, that we might know you more. And Father, as we know you more, we will become like you more. And Father, we just want to be like our master. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be his hands and feet in this world. And so, Father, as we uh, prepare to take up tithes and offerings and uh, close off our service today, Lord, we know that you're not finished with us. And we pray that you continue to speak. Father, in our conversations over tea and coffee, Father, in our conversations as we go home, Father, in our conversations throughout this day and week, Lord, we just pray that you'd infuse every conversation with faith. And Father, increase our expectation. Father, may we come into your house with hearts that are empty, just wanted to be filled by you. And so, Father, we just ask that you do these things in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the thanksgiving. Amen.